You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. I read years ago that man has two great spiritual needs. One is forgiveness and the other is goodness. Forgiveness was answered at the cross. Jesus died for our sins so that we who believe are forgiven. And our need for goodness has been answered by the gift of the Holy Spirit given to believers at Pentecost. You'll read about that in Acts chapter 2. You see, God doesn't want us to come to Christ by faith, be forgiven, and then live a life of defeat. So we're given the Holy Spirit. We've all seen Christians that have just enough of God to make them miserable. Baptized in lemon juice comes to mind. They have forgiveness, but it ended there. There's no walking in the Spirit, but God offers more. I've heard it put this way. We need Jesus Christ for our eternal life, and we need the Holy Spirit for our internal life. I became a Christian at the age of nine, right across the street from where you are, uh, in the parsonage uh, at the corner of Mount Vernon and Glen Ridge, then baptized on the other corner. I knew who Jesus was, but the Holy Spirit was not really on my mind at that age. All those years ago, I had a picture of God in my mind, what he looked like. I had a picture of Jesus, what he looked like, but... The picture was blank when it came to the Holy Spirit. Over the years, I've developed a picture of the Holy Spirit, not an it, but a being as scripture teaches. Next time we run into each other, ask me what my picture is and I'll be glad to tell you. I've been careful over the years to build an accurate picture of the Holy Spirit by what the Bible teaches, not just by my own experiences. I've seen people do things in the name of God that they said they were led to do by the Spirit of God, and it's obviously been not true. How do I know that? The Holy Spirit will never tell me to do something that's contrary to the Word of God. So here's the danger. Some prefer to go by feelings as opposed to go by the Word, and that issue has caused problems from the early church to today. I believe Scripture teaches that all believers have the Holy Spirit. There is one baptism of the Spirit at our conversion. However, over the days, weeks, months, and years ahead, there are many fillings. There are many fillings because we leak. I said a moment ago, I believe Scripture teaches that all believers have the Holy Spirit. The real problem is that the Holy Spirit does not have all believers. I'm glad you're studying this. This study for you should be life-changing. You'll be led in a biblically sound way as you always are. My understanding of the Holy Spirit is ever-expanding. He is my guide, my teacher, my friend, my interceder, my comforter. And finally, and I love this, uh, there's a checklist in Galatians to let you know how you're doing with the Holy Spirit. We're told that people will know us by our fruit, not by our gifts. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we look at our lives and any of those are absent, we need to yield that area to the Holy Spirit and seek help. We all have God. God wants all of us. And the Holy Spirit can accomplish so many things in your lives. God bless you in your study. That's so fire. That's the Gen Z's slang for off the charts. Awesome. You know, my slang back in the late 80s, early 90s for off the charts, awesome came from Snoop Dogg. Do you know who Snoop Dogg is? You'll probably never hear any other pastor 
quote Snoop Dogg, but here it is. That was off the hizzle for shizzle dizzle. Four of you got that reference. But let me ask you, what is your word? Don't be embarrassed by this. What's your word that describes something that's off the charts awesome? You got a word? Spectacular. Amazing. Cool. Groovy. Smoking. Very good, Jim Carrey. You said awesome. Yeah, our God is an awesome God. Rich Mullins, we all know that song, right? Okay, that was pretty easy. Now let me ask you this. What is your word? You get one. What is your word that describes Jesus? What's your word? (laughs) Forgiven. Savior. Holy. Love. Joy. Comforter. Redeemer. Friend. Say that again. Kindness. Joy. We could just keep going, couldn't we? And what you just said does not go out of style with this generation or that generation. Many of what you said, David Shivers, Reverend David Shivers just quoted from Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit. is how we describe who he is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the one that's usually hard for folks to say because it's like, mm, I don't have a lot of self-control. Nancy McCord and I were just talking a few moments ago. She had no idea I was going to use her as an illustration. I didn't either until about three seconds ago. And something that I've learned over the years, there's, there's really three things that I've learned over the years as a pastor. One is, it is okay to have an unpublished thought. Nancy and I were just talking about that, how that has helped her so many times to take a deep breath and realize, I, I don't really need to respond. I don't really need to say anything. Sometimes less is more. Silence is golden. The other thing that I have learned in my life that's off the charts awesome is not to take myself so seriously. When you take yourself too seriously, you can lose the joy of life. You can. And then the other thing, this will help marriages, by the way. I was doing a premarital counseling session yesterday with a couple, and I told them these three things. I said, the other thing is, it's okay to say I was wrong. And leave out, I was wrong, but. Just leave but out of the equation. Because when you say I was wrong, but if you hadn't have done this or said this, you're throwing it back at them. So you're really not apologetic. You're still saying, yeah, I acted this way because of what you did, what you said. So I've learned those things in my life. Those are off the charts awesome for me. And this off the charts awesome, that's so fire. Some people think it means, the acronym for fire, financial independence, retire early. Financial independence, retire early. There are a lot of you aspiring to that. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have already done it. You're kind of semi. You're kind of, you know, I've done it, but it's not what I thought it was going to be. Some of you are saying, I've done that, but I'm busier now than I've ever been, and I can't say no. Um, My dad is a good illustration of that. He's working more now and serving and helping more people than he ever had when he had a full-time job, working about 60 hours a week. Now he works about 80. But everything that he does... 
is to serve and help others. So I guess that's not so bad, is it? This strategy of working hard and long in your early years so that you can retire early and enjoy your later years, there's nothing wrong with that. But sadly, that strategy has backfired for a lot of people, leaving some retirees to languish for years upon years without a feeling of connection and purpose while their money declines rapidly in an inflation economy that they couldn't have predicted. But it's happening. Some have returned to the workforce in their later years due to necessity. Some due to financial or psychological need as a panacea, a cure-all to their dilemma. We need connection. We need connection. So the fire lifestyle may seem enticing in the short term, but it's the purposeful engagement with something that fires us up, that makes us feel that life can be so fire. It's no wonder that Jesus... His best promise to us is the kind of life that he knows will give us our best sense of identity, connection, purpose, mission, and joy. The life of God. Or better said, perhaps, life in sync with God. A life that is fully intimate, relational, and exceptional. That's in your notes, by the way, so you have this to take with you. That's a fire life. Not the kind of fire life in which we retire and move ourselves from work and mission and purpose and connection, but the kind that immerses us entirely within it. That's what entering into the life of God means. It's the kind of spiritual life in which we exude joy and peace and holiness and intimacy. And it happens right in the here and now, no matter our circumstances. Eternal life. That's the promise that Jesus makes to his disciples. But what does that mean exactly? Scholars tell us that the word eternal life here in the Greek is zoianos. The phrase suggests a kind of life that happens in the fullness of time. It refers not to a duration of life or a future destination in life, but to a quality of life based on or based in the knowledge of of God. As we said when we talked about the way of Jesus, eternal life in this sense is not something we look for in the hereafter, but something we can have right now, fully intimate personal relationship with God in which we know God spiritually, emotionally, deeply and truly. So we can experience eternity even now, we have that promise of eternity within us when we receive Christ. Folks, we're experiencing as we worship this morning, here together, heaven on earth. Last night, in my living room, with another, like, I think we had 15 young adults. The week before, we had 12, a whole different group of young adults. In my living room with these young people, to me, that was a taste of heaven. It's what heaven's going to look like. Diversity like we have never known before. Different ages, cultures, ethnicities, maybe languages. We're not sure exactly what it's going to be like. And that's the beauty of eternal life. That's the beauty of heaven because it's indescribable. It's inconceivable. It's incomprehensible. And that's a gift to us, folks. But yet... 
because of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit, we can have that kingdom life right now. Kind of sound like Tony Evans. Kingdom life, kingdom man, kingdom woman, kingdom disciple. But we can. What N.T. Wright says is we're in this thin place where the current evil age and the kingdom, the coming of the age, blend together. And we're experiencing that when we gather in his name. Jesus said, where two or more gathered in my name, there I am also. So if Jesus is here through the Holy Spirit, then aren't we in the midst of his kingdom right now? Give that some deep thought. Don't think about it too much, especially if you're over-analytical. But if we are the body, the body of Christ, the hands and feet, the eyes, the ears, the nose, and mouth, then in essence, if Christ is in us and His Holy Spirit dwells within us, then eternity is present. It's a present reality that exists even now. Something that we don't have to wait on. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It really is. Yesterday, when we were at Ann Montague's Celebration of Life, I, I shared this illustration with them about how even though our loved ones, they may not come back to us. We might wish that they would come back to us. Oh, I wish I still had him or I still had her or I could talk to her. But the beauty of it is, is that we, for those who know Jesus, we will go to them. We will go to them and experience eternal life in real time. So, this phrase, that's so fire, the fire is what God, through Jesus, has given us. It's the fire that will not burn out. It may get a little dim at times, but then you remember, wait a minute, I need to wave my white flag. I need to surrender. Jesus has filled me. He has equipped me to be his disciple. And there's no one nor nothing that can defeat me because I've surrendered to the King of Kings and he has me. And I have access to all the battle armor. Where there's a spirit of heaviness, the scripture says, put on the garment of praise. When you feel down and out, just start praising him. Start worshiping him. Just start praying, waving your white flag, and know that he is with me. He is here. He's not going to leave me nor forsake me. You see, Jesus explains to his disciples that he has had this relationship with God himself as he completed his mission on earth. He's had this intimacy. He's known the thoughts and the mind and attitude of the Father. And now he offers this same kind of relationship to his disciples so that they too can know God in the person of the Holy Spirit personally and intimately and can therefore do amazing things in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is tasked, therefore, with a mission to unify the disciples with God and with each other in a way that enables them to harness the power of healing and change that will enable them to make an impact in the world in which they live right now. The disciples, by the way of this eternal life condition, will experience a special relationship with God. And all who belong to Jesus, who believe in him, will be gifted eternal life. 
The ability to forge a life with God in which Jesus resides in them and they in him now, now, and in the future. So if he resides in you now, you have that gift of eternal life. And you'll have it in the future when the time is right. His appointed time for you. That fire, fully intimate, relational, exceptional relationship with God will fulfill us in a way that nothing else can. In Him, we will discover our true identity, our purpose, what we're meant to do. We'll have better insight into who we are and what we're capable of. We will become excited about our present as well as our future. We will feel God's call upon our lives and know the joy, peace, and contentment that only those living in sync with God have discovered. Live in sync with God, not in sync with the world. Stay in step with Him, not behind Him, not ahead of Him, but in sync. Step by step, you'll lead me and I'll follow you all of my days. I'm following you, Lord. I'm following you. That's who we need to follow. You see, we will feel ourselves connected to ourselves, to God, and to the world around us in new and amazing ways, ways that are so fire. You're going to be using that now. We will recognize the unity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, not in a theological, rational way, but in a very experiential, relational, spiritual way. Any of you who have been married a very long time know that to know things about a person is not the same as to know a person. The personal, intimate knowledge of someone, his or her nature and being, energy and personality, heart and soul, that is a different kind of knowing a connective knowing, a deep, resonant knowing that allows us to bond with them heart to heart and soul to soul. That is what Jesus wants for us with Him through the facilitation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has told us that He is the way, the truth, and the life. We learned in the men's spring Bible study, we called it the truth Bible study, what Jesus meant by the way. He is the way. The way of Jesus is our relational connection with Him. He is the truth. The relational connection with Jesus through the Holy Spirit allows us to live in our truth as well as in God's truth. He is the life. He is the vehicle through which we can have that same relational connection with God and Him always, even when He is not physically with us. The connection with Him, with God, through the Holy Spirit that fires us up and gives us a life for the journey. It's ours always. This sense of life will give us energy, purpose, drive, and passion in everything that we do. If you look up the definition of life, you will find that it's the capacity for growth. Reproduction, activity, and continual change preceding death. Life is connection. Through, through relationships, through connection, we find that we have the capacity to grow, to reproduce good things, to continue to change as long as life persists. In the book of Genesis, 
we see that God created everything that we know as life to be in relationship. Think about it. We live in a grand ecosystem of interconnection and relationships. Even the smallest particles are interconnected. Everything in existence exists interdependently. So do we. We acknowledge our interdependence when we recognize our intimate connection with God, with others, with ourselves, and with the world. We gain a kind of stability and peace that cannot be described other than so fire. Now, the gospel writer, John, he often writes philosophically, sometimes losing us in his lofty descriptions and theology. But Jesus' message is clear. He's passing on his status, his knowledge, and his blessing to those he's leaving behind. He wants them to know that they will have the opportunity, as he did, to enter into the life of God, to know God in a way that will give them super energy and fuel for their mission, and that they will have a special purpose in the world that only they can fulfill. That special relationship is not reserved for only a few, but for all those who name Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So get fired up, people of God. Live the fire life in the Spirit. That's the gift that you have been given. Let us pray. I am sensing through the gifting of the word of knowledge that we are to pray a prayer together. We don't have one already rehearsed to have on the screen for you. So I'll just ask that you take a deep breath. Let it back out. And just repeat. Repeat after me this prayer. Make it yours. Lord, restore my joy. Lead me through the darkness until all I see is you. Set my soul on fire because you are so fire. Set me on fire. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. May my soul be on fire for you and you alone. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.